Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. If you found yourself watching the home edit on Netflix or Marie Kondo's entire series on Netflix as well, you're going to love today's episode. I brought on one of my new friends, Lisa Salabitas, who is a professional organizer and Con Marie certified consultant. Lisa supports her clients in decluttering and organizing their homes, minds, and lives. And she truly believes that having a home in which you're surrounded by items that you love can be life-changing in so many ways. I loved this episode and more specifically this conversation around how we can also get control of our clutter and use that as a way to help us financially too. I don't know about you, but anytime I declutter, I look around my house and I'm immediately thinking of how much money I have spent on stuff that I don't need. And that's one of the big things that decluttering shows me specifically. But in this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about Lisa's background in fashion and why she decided to leave it, how she took an interest in decluttering as a profession, the core principles of Lisa's approach to decluttering an organization. This comes straight from Marie Kondo or the Marie method. Why tidying isn't just about what meets the eye. Why splitting your belongings into categories is super important when it comes to decluttering, making organization decisions based on what sparks joy, the importance of understanding the why behind your desire to declutter, how to go about actually getting rid of your stuff, how long the decluttering process actually takes, what maintenance of decluttering an organization should actually look like, and joy checking your items. I love this episode. I think you're going to get a lot of really good information from it as well. In the show notes, if you haven't checked those out, you can go to the show notes. There's also a downloadable for Lisa's free category checklist. It's going to help you go through this process. But before I dive into Lisa and all of her awesomeness, do me the biggest favor. As a podcaster, one of the ways that this podcast gets in front of more people is through your shares, your follows. It used to be subscribes. Now it's called follows on Apple podcasts and reviews. So if you enjoy this podcast and you have not yet left a review, do me the biggest favor and just take a couple minutes to do that. It means so much to me and it really does make a big difference in the podcast algorithm into getting this show in front of more people. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with my friend, Lisa Salabitas. But before we do that, a quick word from today's sponsor. Hey, if hire great people is on your company's goal, you need a plan to make sure that happens fast. 
Find the right person fast with Indeed Instant Match. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even the interviewing. Don't just hope for the perfect candidate you'll find. Indeed's hiring tools will help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Indeed Instant Match immediately delivers quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description. You can even invite them to apply right away. And according to Indeed data, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who see it in a search alone. Plus, with Instant Match, Indeed's data shows 90% of employers get quality candidates from Indeed's resume database as soon as they sponsor a job post. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Indeed.com slash Money Nerds. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions do apply. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I am joined by one of my new friends, Lisa Salabitas. Lisa, I am so stoked to hang out with you. Thank you so much for, for being here. Hi, Whitney. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I am thrilled about everything that you're doing. You are helping people really get their stuff in order with their home life regarding like decluttering and all this stuff. And this is something, friend, I need so badly. You do? Oh my gosh. Yes. About it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really seriously do. It is one of those things where I will do really good and I'll set up a good system. It'll work for maybe a month or two. And then all of a sudden I seem to get lazy with it. And I know you've got some tips on that too. So we'll definitely dive into that throughout this episode. Awesome. I love it. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you were in the fashion industry for quite some time. So how did you get into fashion and ultimately how'd you leave that industry? Yeah, so I would say fashion has always been my passion in life. And when I moved to New York City, which is, I think it was eight years ago now, I thought, okay, now I'm in the fashion capital, right? Um, so I'm going to try my luck in the fashion industry. I've done a bunch of different things before that. So I have a bachelor's and a master's in communication and media studies and I've just done a bunch of random things before that. And my most recent position was an e-commerce manager at a smaller fashion company. And I was working there for, I think, like three or four years. And I decided to quit <laughs> because I I loved my job. But I thought, okay, I, I realized I don't need to work in fashion and I can still be passionate about fashion and not having to work in mm -hmm. it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I was looking, so I just, to be honest, I just took some time off because um, I never really got that break between when you finish school and then start working your job. So I thought maybe I should do that and travel a little bit. So, and I really wanted to find something I'm more passionate about. I didn't know what that was. I thought maybe I'm just going to, you know, 
do some freelance work and probably end up doing some marketing or PR stuff. So that's also something that I had done previously. And how I stumble upon doing what I'm doing now, uh, my current career, is through a podcast, actually. Hmm. So I am certified in a specific method, and I'm sure people have heard of Marie Kondo, so I'm certified in her method. And when her book came out, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, I think that was around 2015 or 2014. I should know that, but (laughs) around that time. So I started reading that, and I actually... It was funny. So I read it. I read it together with my husband um, because I think I've always been pretty organized and clutter-free, and I always say I'm a pretty minimalist person by heart. And by doing that, you know, the book was really. It's a short book. It's it's very short chapters. So I thought, okay, let's read it together. Maybe he gets the hang of it, and he should declutter his stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And I found it interesting, but we never went through the method or anything. I kind of forgot about it. And then I listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast. He was interviewing Marie Kondo at that time, and that was in 2017. And that just made me look back into her again. I went on her social media and on her website. So that was all before her Netflix show came out. So I'm sure most people are familiar with her probably through the next Netflix show that came out in 2019. And long story short, so I just found that she is certifying people in her method and something just clicked for me. So I did not know that people are making a living helping other people declutter and organize. Um, I was not aware of the professional organizing industry and if I had known of it sooner, I probably would have changed my career a little bit sooner because I've always been a naturally organized person, I would say. Um, so I just signed up for her you know, training program. I started going through it and started my own business. So that's my story on how I am, on how I landed at this career path. You are amazing. That is such a crazy journey. I love hearing that a podcast sparked this for you too. I think that's so cool to hear. And sometimes we do need that reiteration where you hear it a couple of times and then it finally clicks for you, which is why I think it's so important to talk about decluttering. I think we've heard this maybe a thousand times per year of why we need to declutter. Yet for some reason, it doesn't stick. So give us a little context when you're working with a client How do you start the whole process of decluttering? Yeah, so maybe I should start with like a short overview of the method that I'm using. That'd be great. Um, And then I can give people a few little steps that they can take to get started today if they want to. Yeah, awesome. Let's do Um, it. So yeah, so I touched on the Kanmari method. So let me talk about like the differences between professional traditional professional organizing and the Kunmari method. So traditional professional organizing is typically mostly it's about going into people's homes and organizing. So some, and every professional organizer has their own thing and how they do things, but that's typically what is being done. So it's 
also location focused. So people would hire someone to organize their pantry or, you know, their wardrobe or something. And in the KonMari method, there's a big focus on doing the whole home. So really going through each and every thing that you own and make a decision first on if you want to keep something or not, if something brings you joy or not. And then implementing systems along the way. Also, another differentiating factor uh, most often is that in the KonMari method, we tidy by category. And I'll talk about this in a second as well, where we go more into detail on what categories and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so I mentioned the whole home approach, right? So I really believe when people make a decision about each item and go through this whole process, this is when something sticks. If you just organize your chunk drawer, I think, okay, that might be, that's probably short-lived, right? Because your mindset doesn't really change if you're not doing it from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And let me walk you through the core principles of the method that, that I'm teaching. So the first principle is to envision your ideal lifestyle. So when I start working with people, we we don't jump into organizing like the physical aspect of the tidying process. I have a couple of questions for people that they are suggested to answer where we get really deep, not just about how they want their home to look like, but also what they want to do in their life. Because how I see tidying is, 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 is deeper, I think, right? It's not just about the, the aesthetical aspect of it and it's more about why do you want to tidy like we really get Mm. to the why and oftentimes just to give an example it's about you know I feel so overwhelmed and I feel like I'm cleaning up every single day I'm wasting so much time and I just want things to be easy so I can spend time on doing the things I really enjoy So I can spend time with my family, my friends, or really dive into passion projects I've not been been able to do because I just don't feel like I have time. So that's just an example. So envision your ideal life. That's a core principle. Another core principle of the method is to commit to tidying up completely. So that goes back to the whole home aspect, right? So I really see people making a, a real change and being able to maintain a tidy home when they go through the whole home. Um, And then another core principle is to tidy by category and not by location. And the reason for that is that when you look at each item, so when you gather all the items from one category um, and you go through them all at once, you get a really good overview of of how many how much stuff you actually have mm-hmm. right um and if people are interested in okay what are the categories so i give a really good breakdown on my free commodity category checklist um so there's also so there's five broad categories um the first category is clothing so and then the second category is books the third one is papers 
The fourth one is kimono. That's the Japanese word for miscellaneous items. Mm. And that's a very broad category. So we have kitchen items, we have bathroom items, makeup, all that sort of stuff. And it's very different from home to home. And the fifth and last category is memento sentimental items. So you want to break those categories down depending on how much stuff you have. So if people are interested, again, they can uh, grab my checklist. It's uh, you sh- I'll make sure that it's linked in my Instagram bio. Maybe you can link it in the in the show notes. Uh, Definitely. Show notes. Um, so yeah, by category. So that's really important because, as I as I mentioned, you get a good overview if you get all your clothes out, what you actually have. And people are always surprised. I call it the power of the pile when you, when you really pile up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And they don't realize when it's put away, we do not realize how much stuff we actually have. And just to give a the contrasting example, if you did things by location, let's say you have stored your clothing in, two different dressers and then you have a walk-in closet where you also have stuff and one day you decide you clean out your dresser and look at that stuff and then two weeks from then you do the other dresser you have forgotten what you have in that first dresser so it's it's recommended to look at everything from one category at once so you can make a really informed decision of what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep And then it's also another principle is to follow the correct category order. So I mentioned the category order. And the reason behind that is that you want to start with something easy. So Hmm. clothing is is the easiest, not for every. I'm not saying for everyone, but it's also a very defined category. Um, It's easy. It's suggested to be the easiest because you're making a decision about clothing every single day, yeah. typically, right? Um, it's So you're used to making a decision about it. Um, it's very close to you in a way. We are wearing clothes every single day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes sense because it gives you a good start into the day. When your clothes are organized, you save time in the morning. So it's like, oh, that, that was easy. I have... I don't need to dig through all the stuff that doesn't fit me anymore, that I don't wear anymore. So it already gives you a boost at the beginning of the day. And then books is also a very defined category. And once we get to kimono, so that's when we have to really work on first defining categories so it can get really blurry sometimes. And um, mementos is the most difficult for most people because we have sentimental attachments to those items, right? So it's yeah. typically really hard to make decisions, especially if you're a very sentimental person. So you want to follow this category order. And then the next principle is to first um, declutter. And the second step should always be organizing. So I know it's so easy for people to jump ahead and already think about, oh, how am I going to organize my clothes? But I always say, you know, hold your horses. Let's focus on decluttering first because you might end up with very little things, like with a very small number of things. So we don't even have to really 
invest a lot of brain energy into figuring out storing something that you might not even keep. Mm. Um, and the sixth and last principle is to only keep things that spark joy for you. So if people have heard of the method, that's probably something that they remember. Um, only keep things that spark joy. So the focus is not on making decisions on what you want to get rid of, but on making a decision on what you want to keep. So I think that's really interesting. And that's also something I really like about the method. It's, it's more of a, it has more of a positive connotation, right? Focusing on what you want to keep instead of making a decision about what you want to get rid of. Um, so yeah, so that's like a, a little rundown of the method if people have not heard of it before. So maybe that gives you a little understanding. Thank you. And yeah. And if people want to get started, tiny yeah. cluttering steps maybe. Um, and if they're like overwhelmed, okay, <laughs> I don't want to do the whole home. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not going to do it. I suggest, you know, give it a try. And you don't have to jump into the whole thing first. I would say get clear on your vision first. Okay. And you can, so maybe I give people three questions that they can sit down and answer. Mm -hmm. um, they can also journal about them. So I have like a whole questionnaire for the clients I work with, but let, let's start with three questions maybe. So okay. get your pen out if you want to work on your vision. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so I talked about the why, right? Yeah. Get clear on your why. So first question is, why do you want to tidy your home? Get really deep on the things. Why, why, why? Like, why now? What are the real reasons that, that you want to tidy your home? So that's the first question. Second question could be, how does an ideal day in your life look like? So I love this question. And you can also do a weekday and a weekend day. Mm, that's a good and idea. Really describe from waking up, how does an ideal day look like? And so many people, like I've gotten this feedback from people, you know, oh, this, like, I care about so many other people in my life. Like this, I really have to spend some time on that because I never think about myself, right? So, um, but really think about that. How would an ideal day in your life look like? Maybe it's, I wake up, I, there's, nothing on the floor so I can roll out my yoga mat and do a yoga practice something that you are not able maybe to do right now because your you know your room is cluttered and you don't have the time you feel like you're rushing in the morning so just get really granular do a weekend day do a weekday and describe how that looks like and the third question is looking backwards. So reflect on what does your clutter say about you? How did you get here? Like, why do you think this has not been a priority? So I think this question also digs into, okay, why, why was this not a priority? Why have I maybe not, never learned how to declutter or tidy? Like, what does this say about me? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, answer those questions. I think it's really important to get on your vision clear first. Um, you can even do a vision board. So if you're very like 
you know, visual person. Um, we do this exercise sometimes too. You can do it the old-fashioned way, cutting out images and putting it on a board um, or do it, doing it in a digital version or talking it out with someone. So these are all like vision, vision exercises that you can do. And once you're done with that, dive into tidying a subcategory of clothing. So if you find it really overwhelming doing all clothes at once, I get it. And sometimes people are really overwhelmed um, just by the thought of it. So just do a subcategory. Again, if you uh, look at my category checklist, there are all the subcategories that you can imagine that you might have in your wardrobe. So just to give an example, uh, maybe do sweaters and knits mm -hmm. um, or t-shirts might be a subcategory, right? So get all your t-shirts out and start choice checking them and then organize them back in. If you got a taste for it, if like, you know what, that's not that difficult. I can do more, maybe grab some more subcategories. So that's how you can get a little taste and start to declutter your home. I love this a lot. I think the method you're describing is exactly the opposite of what I would typically do. <laughs> so normally I would, it oh me. my gosh, there's not a lot of intention behind it. It's more like, okay, mm -hmm. this is getting crazy. I need to go through my papers or whatever it might be. And then I will go through and prune some stuff, but there isn't a lot of intentionality behind it. It's just diving in and trying to fix one little problem. And then of course it ends up being a problem again later. So I find this really interesting to just ask yourself those questions. And I love, Lisa, the question that you ask about what does an ideal day look like? That is such a powerful question. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I think this is so good. And I can't help but think about the financial piece that is attached to all of this as well. So there's two sides of the financial piece. One, the money that we have spent and possibly even wasted on stuff that now we're donating and we didn't really need or want. And then the secondary piece is, I know a lot of people get concerned about when I go through decluttering, do I have to go to the container store and just stock up and spend thousands of dollars on containers now? So let's cover that last part first. Do we actually need to go buy a bunch of more stuff to help us during this process? Yes, I love this question. And my answer is no, <laughs> no, don't buy anything at all if you're first starting out. So um, and I know other organizers work very differently, but I have a, a deep first focus on decluttering first. Mm. And if you're adding organizational products at the beginning stages, you're only adding clutter. I always say if you're buying something before you have not decluttered yet, you are wasting your money first and you're adding to the clutter. And I know this for sure because I've, I've, talk to people, to many people, and they said, you know, I thought I could just buy some stuff and throw organization products onto this problem. And yep. yeah, it has not worked. So, and how I'm working with people, we are using what they already have in your, in their home. Mm. And a lot of the time, I would say 80 to 90% of the time, they do not have to buy anything in addition because the amount that frees up the things that they already have in their home 
I'm also known to repurpose stuff that we find in the kitchen just as a drawer divider, you know, a simple shoebox like Marie Kondo. It's genius. Like a simple shoebox can act, can have so many different purposes. You can take a shoe lid as like a, a catch-all um, for little things or use it as a drawer divider. So I'm all about using what you have first and then once you're completely done, shop on purpose. Don't waste your money buying anything up front. Um, I promise you everything will work out in the end if you just trust the process and focus on the decluttering part first. I know so many people, I said it before, can get hung up on, but how am I going to organize it? Okay. I say focus on decluttering first and everything will fall into place. Hmm. When we declutter, so say we, we're finally to the category, or actually it's the first category. So we're starting to go through our clothing and we have now a big pile of clothes that we don't want that doesn't spark joy. How do, how do you recommend we get rid of this? Is it selling it on Poshmark? Is it donating? Like what, what are the methods you recommend? Yeah. So, and I know that you said that so many people can get hung up on the money part, right? Yeah, so totally. they thought, okay, I've spent X amount of money and all the things, and I feel like I need to get my money's worth back. And this is where I come in and help them be realistic about the situation. Of course, if it's uh, something that's really worth selling, if it's a brand item, if it's a more expensive item, um, it definitely makes makes sense to sell that item for sure. But if you have a bunch of things where you can maybe get five bucks or not at all, we talk about, okay, is it worth it for you to spend time and energy and potentially money on photographing this item, on writing the description, on putting it online, if you're doing it yourself, and then engaging with potential buyers. And when we talk that through, you know, people really get to understand. And people are already short on time, right? <laughs> so they're like, and I had this conversation yesterday. <laughs> so they're like, I, I don't even have time to maintain what we've done. And then they, they want to spend time on selling everything and trying to get a few bucks back. So no. we just talk about it, right? And I say, your my suggestion is, of course, people can decide on their own, but my suggest, suggestion is to only focus on, okay, let's set those things aside where it's a branded item where you can maybe use the consignment service so that you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to sell that item um, and focusing on decluttering. So if it's items that have not cost you a lot of money, and again, you have to think about it. it's a sunk cost, right? Yeah. You have spent the money already. It's okay. And we have... We have this attachment to things because they are our own. And I think it's called the endowment effect that we are much more invested in things that we already own. And we think they're so much more worth than they actually are. Um, so there's a lot of coaching around that sometimes. I'm not saying a lot of people are like that, but some definitely have these attachments 
to their things and because they have spent money on it, they feel like they need to get back. So I would suggest focus on donating most of your stuff. Um, if it's during sele the selection process, the discarding process, we can already decide, okay, is this a more expensive item where it really makes sense for me to try to sell it um, or engage a consignment service. So I really like that option because obviously you can just chip it off and they take care of the selling um, portion. And then there's also services where you can ship stuff off and you get a little bit back. Like, um, so one consignment service um, that comes to mind is ThreadUp. You just order a bag and they they take care of selling that stuff online. It's not a lot of money, but at least you you get a little bit of it. It's a good point of sometimes we declutter, we put it in a pile and promise ourselves we're going to sell it. And all we're doing is just moving the clutter. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I've done that before too. So I would say, give yourself, give yourself a deadline. So if mm. you say, okay, I'm going to sell these items, give yourself a deadline of, let's say three months. If you've not done it by then, commit to do donating them. Yeah. That's a really good tip. I love that a lot. Yeah. Kind of put the pressure on us a little bit more to, Absolutely. to own up to it and like make it work. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always curious for people that do this professionally. I watch all kinds of crazy shows and I've seen like, I've seen Marie Kondo show. I've seen hoarders. I've seen the full gambit. Right. And I'm always wondering, I'm like, how many, how often do professional organizers come in and say, you know what, what you need is actually a therapist. You don't need me yet. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it does. So I do. I feel like part of the role is almost like sometimes I'm I'm like a therapist to my mm -hmm. clients, not that I'm trained at all. And if I see any kinds of issues where I don't feel equipped um, to, you know, coach people through, I, I ask them, you know, are you working with a, a therapist or something? But um, I would say I have refined my you know, my, my intake process so much so that people are ready to work with me and that I'm sure they are not hoarders, for example, because I'm not equipped to work with, with a hoarder, with a hoarder, right? Because that's, that's an illness. Um, so they, they would have to work with professionals and I'm not equipped to, to do that. So I would say aside from the you know, if people are suffering from, you know, they have ADHD issues, like I work with those people, but I also ask them, like, do you take medication? Like, are you working yeah. with a professional? Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that definitely does. I think it, it's great. I'm always so curious about that. Yeah. I've kind of developed my screening process so much so that I know if people are really looking for something different, um, and they are in need for something different first, I don't take them on and kind of refer them to someone else. So who who would you say are the ideal customers for you? Like who are the people that you really love working with and that thrive working with you? I would say ideal customers are people who are ready and who just know that they need some guidance throughout the process but they're really committed to the whole process. So I love guiding people who are all in 
and want to declutter the whole home mm. and are really committed through the whole process, want to do every category. So that are my favorite people to work with. I always love that too. As a financial coach, anyone that's ready to change their life, they are so much fun to work with and they get yeah. so much out of the process. So I can I can definitely relate to that. Speaking of that process, Lisa, how long does an entire home take? Like, give us a range. What's the short end and the long end? It's so funny. I get this question a lot, especially from people I talk to and they're like, okay, how, how long is this going to take me? <laughs> I know, right? Like six months, a year? Like, is this a five-year journey? What are we talking about? <laughs> and I'm really sorry. I can't give uh, a satisfying answer here because it depends on several factors. So first of all, it's the amount of belongings you have, right? So the number of items, I believe when I recall it correctly, the average American home contains 300,000 300, items. So let's think in. <laughs> Maybe not here in New York City, right, where apartments <laughs> are, tend to be on the smallest side. Not always. Um, but think about the amount of belongings you have to go through. So that's a one factor. Second factor is space. So I have worked with people who only have a room, right? And if this is stuff full, um, it, it tends to take longer as opposed to if you had a larger space um, with the same amount of items, just because when I work with people, I don't want to leave them with a mess after a session. So we might have to work in smaller subcategories. So we take stuff out, right? And then we maybe have to leave a little bit unfinished so we have to make sure to put the stuff back in a larger space on the other hand you might just leave it out right and we pick up the next day so that takes a little bit more time obviously in a in a smaller space if you're more cramped you don't have a lot of space to lay things out um, so that's the second factor third factor is how like how quick are people in making decisions. Mm. And I've worked with people who are super quick. So, you know, I'm, and I'm there to help them. So a lot of the time, it's a lot of talking, right? Helping people make a right decision, the, the decision that's right for them. And other times I'm, I'm more there for physical support and just speed up the process. Yeah. And people are really quick with making decisions. So people need me for different aspects sometimes. Sometimes it's all combined, but that would be a third factor, um, you know, how quick you are in making decisions. And then the fourth factor, I would say, you know, how often are you scheduling a session if you're working with me for example or how often are you working on your tidying project so let's say if you're doing a mar marathon and you're dedicating a week to it or just doing it every single day even though that's a lot um, you will probably get through it more quickly than another person that might schedule a session with me or just commits to tidying once on the weekend, so once a week, right? So it kind of stretches out. So I hope that answers your question. From my experience, the quickest person I have worked with was one full day. But also oh, wow. I have to say she, but also she had 
she needed to go through papers on her own. So that was kind of her homework, but she didn't have a lot of things. So pretty minimalist, but she was really quick in making decisions, obviously. And the, yeah. And then it can go up to months, years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lifetime. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Probably <laughs> a little bit, honestly, because there's the maintenance piece too. Yes. So once you work with somebody and I, I meant to ask you, do you work with people in person and virtually? Yes, both. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Very cool. So once you work with somebody and you, they feel pretty good about their progress, they're happy with their results what are the maintenance stuff? Like, how do we even maintain that mindset or, or I guess cultivate that mindset of asking the right questions before we bring more stuff into our house? I feel like we can start that today and after we declutter. So what are some of the things to think about before we bring things back into our home? Yes. Um, I'm big on maintenance and, um, it's actually really simple. So especially if you've fully completed your tidying festival um, and everything is joy checked and has a home. So that's a big thing, right? Ideally, every little thing has its designated home within your home. And that's when, when things get easy. So there are really three things that you, you need to do to maintain your clutter-free and tidied home. And I don't want to come back, right? Like my focus is on working with client once and then I have taught them how to maintain. I have, their mindset has shifted ideally. And that's what I always see. Like their mindset completely shifts in terms of their shopping behavior, in terms of, you know, does this bring me joy? It also... Mm -hmm infuses into other areas of their lives but let me get back to the maintenance piece so three things you need to do to maintain um, first of all return items to the de designated homes after use so ideally everything in your home brings you joy it's something that you like um, but also to to kind of prevent i call it temporary clutter so temporary clutter is things that you have in your home and they bring you joy you want to keep them but they're not in the designated home so you have used them but you have not put them back so ideally you put you return items to the designated homes right after usage but of course we're living our lives um, things get busy right so try and return items to the homes at the end of the day if that doesn't happen and it often doesn't, right? So let's be honest. Let's be real here. Mm -hmm. um, I recommend a reset day once a week at least. So oh, This is so cool. Yeah, if things get crazy, just take and, and I'm big on scheduling. Schedule it in your calendar. Um, if you want to commit to the tidy lifestyle, schedule it in your calendar. And I know that growth, like change can be hard. Like it's a lot of new habits that people are learning by going through this process. So schedule it in your calendar, maybe Sunday morning. And it doesn't, when everything has a home, it's not going to take you a lot of time. Sure. It does not. It might be done in 30 minutes. Um, I promise you. So that's the first thing. Return items to the homes and then Choi check new items. So I know that we live in an online shopping world. So oftentimes, okay, we don't really go to the store anymore. So when a shipment comes, open the package and I want you to choi check your items, just like you did with everything else. 
um, really ask yourself, is this something that I want to wear or whatever it is, right? Or I want to use. If it passes the toy check, designate a home to this item and put it there. If it doesn't bring you joy, return it immediately. Um, so that's for new items. And then the third thing you need to do is a continuous joy check of the items you have in your home. Mm. And this is not something that you have to do very, like another tidying festival, right? Like I call it a tidy, tidying festival, what I do with clients. And that usually should only happen once in a lifetime. So what happens is I, it happens automatically. So let's say you're doing your laundry and you're folding it and putting it away and you notice, oh, like this item, I don't really like it anymore. So what I want you to do is another little tip here, have a donation bin or I have a drawer where I put all those things that I notice I don't want any longer in there. I'm not going to, you know, stress about maybe it's something I want to sell. I have to list it right away. No, I just put it in this drawer and I'm going to worry about it maybe twice a year or something. I don't have Good a lot idea. of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, so have something at the ready. Do not put anything back into its place because that's how clutter builds up again. And as I said, it's, it's, it's not something you have to really do actively, but as you're living your life and as you're using your items, and ideally at that point you have already decluttered, um, it happens automatically. And I know with all the people who really complete the process, it's just something they don't even have to think about it anymore. If they notice something, they know, okay, I'll put this there. And then again, you can schedule a reminder in your calendar um, just to worry about doing a donation run with all those things in that bin or in that drawer. Or um, once it's full, you can just say, you know, no, tell if it's full and nothing fits in there, you know that you have to take care of them. Mm -hmm. I love this. I think that's exactly where I went wrong is I didn't have a designated reset day. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it's like, paperwork would just pile up again. Or pretty soon I got lazy when I was doing laundry and didn't put the clothes back in the exact order that they belong. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh man, here we go again. But I think you're right. It is that that maintenance piece that's so important. Yeah. I really dr drill this into my clients, but it's also, it's a process like True. just going through this process, investing the time to do it once, but right is so beneficial. Like it's so beneficial in so many areas of your life. Um, not only feeling better, like I talk about mental health a lot, but it's also our clutter, clutter, like there's so much money, <laughs> yep. like, like in our clutter, it's insane sometimes just by changing our habits, you know, not really knowing what's in your home, for example, you don't have to buy doubles anymore and things like that. You, you really become a more conscious and mindful shopper sometimes, not sometimes, like I know it, people go through this process and just change their mindset. It's yeah, I'm passionate about it. So <laughs> I love it. I can tell you've got some good information too. One, one more question for you that I think is really tough for a lot of people. It's the, 
the, the pets and the kids, I don't mm-hmm. want to get rid of my kids' toys or I don't want to get rid of my dog's toys. They need all of them because it brings them joy. How, as a parent or even a pet parent, how do you approach that? Because I'm, I'm sure you've came across that a few times. Yeah, for sure. So if I start working with parents, a lot of the time, not always, the first complaint that they have is, okay, my kids' toys. That's the big issue, right? Yeah. (laughs) And they're blaming their kids and it's so messy. And I typically recommend, and it depends on the age of the kids. And sometimes the kids get involved as well. And I work with the kids. But I recommend usually when when parents don't have a handle on their kids' toys, they also have some clutter issues. Just to be really frank, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I recommend for them to go through the process um, to really model this behavior and then their kids see this, right? Like True. parents are decluttering, they're getting interested. And then once we get into the fourth category, kimono stage, we can decide, okay, we can make the kids stuff, the kids toys. We treat this as a category. Mm -hmm. Um, or we get the kids involved as well. So I've worked with kids, uh, the youngest, age four, and we we go through the same process, and it works. Like Kids don't want to be messy. They actually really like having structure and and being organized. But if their parents, you know, and it's not a blaming game here. It's just facts, right? If parents have never learned and maybe think, or maybe things just got out of hand and we need a reset. Um, it really helps going from the, the easier categories. So let's not just jump into toys, which might be a touchy and difficult subject. Mm-hmm. Let's start from the beginning and work our way up to toys and then we can handle it. Also, another tip I I have if toys is an issue and often it's it's the sheer amount, right? Putting a limit on something. So the method I'm teaching is all about, okay, not putting a limit on, on something, but sometimes we need to get practical. So let's say we only want to dedicate, let's say, I don't know, it's a random number, but seven bins for the kids' toys. Mm -hmm. So we are going to make decisions accordingly as we are making decluttering decisions. If if we're going to be left with more than seven bins full full of toys, we know that we have to pare down more. And then we can put strategies in place, okay, before birthdays or before Christmas and things like that, when more toys are expected, that they know, okay, I have to clear out a bin because I know that I'm going to fill up another bin of new toys um, come birthday or come holiday. Yeah, I think I went on a tangent here, but I hope that... No, it makes perfect sense. I love putting a limit on things also that helps people sometimes, especially really if there's a sheer volume of items. I This is so nerdy. So I do not have children of my own. So my, my babies are fur babies. Mm-hmm. And when I had... Uh, my previous pup, he loved toys, like loved them. And of course I loved to buy them because it made him so happy. And so finally I had this moment myself when I was going through a process of decluttering. I'm like, okay, Whitney, does 
Patrick really need 20 toys? No, he's a dog. Like he doesn't need that many toys. I'm like five toys. That's it. So I will legit, I did this in categories. I put like four toys out and let him pick (laughs) which ones he wanted. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, there's your five toys (laughs) and donated the rest. He probably doesn't care, right? I think that you're probably more attached to those toys than... 100%. (laughs) Yeah. When he didn't pick one of them, like, why not? (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. That's so funny. I think this has been such a good conversation and I think it gives everybody a good starting point into where their head can be first and what the steps would be and how this process can work for somebody. So I am so grateful that you took the time to just share this. It's incredible information. So thank you so, so much for sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you so much, Whitney, for having me. I know it's not typically something you talk about this on the podcast, but um I think it's an important conversation to have. And I think the connection between money and clutter is definitely there, even though it's not something that people think about maybe when they first hear about tidying up and decluttering. Completely. Lisa, I am so in agreement on that. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This is going to be a fun one. So the first question for you is where is one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, travel. (laughs) Haven't done that in a while. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But um, what comes to mind is I want to travel to India and I want to do a retreat there, an Ayurvedic retreat. And I, I already know where to go. So it's probably not going to happen anytime soon, but it will happen at some point. Oh, I love that. That's so exciting. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Oh, I'm looking forward to following your journey on Instagram too. I hope you post some pictures of it. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully sooner than, than later. I know, right? Okay. Next question for you. Are you more of a morning or evening routine person? I would say, well, first of all, I would say I probably am not a very routine person, but more, when I think about it, I probably have more of a morning routine. Okay. So tell us what is your current morning routine? Okay. Let's walk through my morning. So I wake up preferably without an alarm. Um, But if I have an alarm on. So I probably have my phone with me in the bedroom. And if not, I don't have it with me in the bedroom. So the first thing is I turn off the alarm and I probably check my emails. I know you're not supposed to do that, (laughs) but I'm just going to be completely honest here. So I'll check my emails and I'll probably check Instagram as well. And then I get up and the first thing I do, I go into the bathroom and I do tongue scraping. And then Do you know what that is? I do. I love that you do that. That's awesome. (laughs) And then I do oil pulling and then I brush my teeth and that's pretty much my morning routine. I get dressed and then depending on how my day looks like, I'll head off to an appointment or I sit in front of the laptop and that's my little morning routine. That's a great routine. I love that. Very fun. Okay. Next question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? One purchase. Let me think. 
Okay, I bought two pairs of new sneakers recently. So I don't buy a lot of things, mm -hmm. but my sneakers were awful. <laughs> and I feel like a new person. It sounds so silly, but I was like, okay, this makes my life a lot better. Having a fresh pair, two actually. I really treated myself um, two pairs of fresh sneakers. Love it. What kind of sneakers did you get? Um, Adidas. Love it. Very fun. I presume yeah. they're probably fairly neutral and go with everything too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a pretty black and white person. So yes, black. The one is like completely black and the other one has the, is black and with the white stripes. Love so. it. That's amazing. Okay. Last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Okay. I guess that's a, that's a really big question, but I think what comes to my mind is awareness or, or maybe clarity is a better word for that. And I think financial success looks different for everyone, right? So really getting clear on, okay, what does financial success actually look like for me? Maybe for some people, it's making a certain dollar amount a year. Maybe for others, it looks completely different. So first of all, okay, what does it mean? Like define it. And then what are the steps I need to take to make this happen? And I'm also big about on, and that goes back to just what my natural <laughs> skills and abilities are, just tracking everything, right? Like tracking your expenses like being really clear on what you're spending and what you're making and just being clear on okay am I making progress towards my goal maybe I have to hire someone to help me achieve my goals and I think sometimes people are just so they don't know what they're like they just flip out their card and pay for something and they they don't what they don't want to know like how much mm -hmm. debt they are in or something like that. So clarity, I think is huge and really tracking if you are on your way to what you think financial success means to you. Oh, what a beautiful answer. Lisa, it was so good chatting with you. Thank you again for your time, for everybody listening in. All of Lisa's resources are going to be linked in the show notes and her Instagram handle. So go follow her on Instagram. It is such a good account. And I know you're going to get a lot of value from her Insta and from her website. So please go check that out. Lisa, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much, Whitney. Okay. What'd you think? Are you wanting to Marie Kondo your entire life too? I know I definitely walked away thinking of how many ways that I could improve my own life by using this method. I love the categories and I loved Lisa's tip of even using subcategories. Makes a ton of sense in my eyes too. I, I could see that being very helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the biggest favor and leave a five-star review. It means so much to this podcast. And as I mentioned earlier, it really does help this show get in front of more people, which as a podcast host, I'm always trying to attract new people into this audience and help others with their financial lives too. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so grateful for your support and I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday. Bye.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.